Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ball across, looking for Ben Rama, but cut out by Matthews, and he cuts inside. Bueno made the attempted pass and releases Williams on the left into space. Williams still going down the line. Johnny Williams tries to send uh, Doty on the way. Gets across in. Oh, Doty can. Uh, it's a lovely touch from Ben, and he's got it in. Forster Kasky headed it back into the danger area. And Macaulay Bomb with a deftest of flicks gets it over Raya and Charlton have the opening goal. Well, really well worked from Charlton. We talked about trying to make the most of opportunities. Great work from Williams on the left-hand side. Just driving with the ball forward. Ball down the line to Doughty. It's a perfectly timed cross towards the far post. Force Kesky made a really good run. Gets up really well to get that first header. And Macaulay Bomb with the slightest of touches to glance it past Raya and give Charlton the lead. To, to Silva. Dan's got on the overlap ball into Ben Rama, who's taken a tumble in the box, and the referee has decided oh. it's a penalty, and that's a generous one. I think Cullen gets a touch on the ball. I, I need to see it again, but my first instinct is that Cullen gets a touch on the ball. Really, he got a touch on the ball. There's no question about it that afterwards he he takes out Ben Rama, but I just think he gets a touch. And it will be Ben Rama who'll take the spot kick. Dylan Phillips trying to stop him. Steps forward, takes the shot, and scores to the right hand side. Handed Brentford away back into this game. It's harsh on Chute. Taken corner. It's back out here to the silver. Nobody going Still close. Chip ball back across. Easy header. I think that's an own goal from Pierre on Pierce. Nobody went to close him down. The silver. He got a free cross in, and it was pressure on Pierce. I think from Watkins. No Pinnock maybe that caused the ball to end up in the back of the net. And Charlton for being 1-0 up and now 2-1 down. I think you're right, Tell. I think it might go down as an own goal. The frustration for Charlton is just a short corner and no one goes to De Silva. They allow him to cross it in, cut inside onto his left foot. It's a good cross and there's nothing really that Pierce can do for it. He's got to compete for with it with, with Pinnock. And now it's an upheaval task for Charlton to come from 2-1. Behind. This time his back heel didn't come off and Matthews steps in. But there's the final whistle. So good evening and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. My name is Louis Mendez. We'll be looking back at the defeat against Brentford and of course looking ahead to Saturday's home game with Reading. Helping me on the phone to do just that. Uh, in one we've got Mr Tom Wallin. How are you doing Tom? Yeah, I'm alright, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. You had a good week? It's been alright, yeah. Yeah? 
see your grass is growing in your in your grass lawn. Grass is coming on nicely, yeah. but TV remote has stopped working. So you know, swings and roundabouts. Yeah, not what you need during lockdown, of course. And uh, also joining us uh, from a secret location uh, is Mr. Nathan Muller. Hey, dear Nathan. How's it going, fellas? I'm in a basement somewhere. <laughs> Well, I don't know who's taken me. <laughs> you're, you're right. How's, how's your week been, mate? Oh, mate, it's been a bit up and down, up and down. Just like the blooming bottom half of that championship, isn't it? But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's all right, mate. It's, it's nearly it's Thursday. It's nearly weekend. Nearly Friday. Yeah, exactly. Nathan's in that Friday Friday spirit already. I can hear it. Right, so on the, this uh, this week's big match preview, of course, like I said, we'll look back at that defeat Against Brentford, we just heard the goals there in the uh, opening titles and uh, we'll discuss that one. We'll hear what Lee Bowyer had to make of it as well. We've got some tweets and emails that have come in from listeners uh, throughout the week, so we'll read those out. And then we'll hear a little bit more from Lee Bowyer here from today's press day uh, that he did ahead of the game with Reading. Uh, we'll preview that game, of course, against the Royals, another massive one uh, down at the Valley for us. And if we get a chance, we'll maybe just touch on what, what was said about the takeover today. Nothing much in terms of a, of an update but maybe if we we get a chance we'll talk about that as well because you know if you want to be owners of a football club you're going to be you, you're going to be interested in uh, people are going to be interested in seeing and hearing about you so there you go we'll talk about that as well so um Tom we heard there the goals from the Brentford game oh, it's, it was a valiant performance but i mean it was it was relentless pressure from Brentford and i guess it was always likely to tell in the end yeah, I think it was it was as you said frustrating um, to lose the game in the end, particularly after going ahead. But as I said on the day, um, I tried to look beyond the result, and obviously I understand people's frustration because we went ahead and because we lost the game. And there were periods, of course, where we were under relentless pressure, as you say. But I think our performance actually we did ourselves proud um, against a very good team. You know, there are other teams that have played Brentford since the restart and have done have done a lot worse you look at their goals I don't think they've conceded a goal have they since they returned so they're in blistering form blistering form and um but look we didn't match them in in style or chances really but we did create we did have opportunities we did score a goal um and for large portions of that game we defended very well so there are lots of positives to take look again I come back to the most important thing as a result and we lost it and I get that but the only two games we've lost since the return are Brentford, which is not a surprise, and Millwall, which, given the club we are, is not a surprise either. And in the other games where you go into those games thinking, God, if we get something here that can make a big difference, well, we've taken seven points from those three games, and we've got three massive games coming up where we'll be looking to take points as well. So I was disappointed, of course, as other fans were, but also seeing the bigger picture, I think it, it could have been worse. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Tom Tom mentioned there, and he said it on Twitter as well after the game, Nathan, that you have to try and not become too outcome-focused after a game like that because, of course, you know the outcome is we lost the game, but we, we did perform well. Um, in this in this weird little sprint, is it is it okay to perform well and lose? It's not something you can do too often, but maybe against Brentford, maybe that's something you, you'll just have to hope that you can get away with. Yeah, no, of course. I think Tommy and now on Ed really, and um, I, mean, if, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, on after Friday's result, um, a lot of people were going, you know, maybe to myself to an extent, you know, well, that's that's we ain't going to get nothing from the game because we were leading for so long and they were pummeling us. Like, it, it, I mean, it, it was it was inevitable that it was going to happen unless we'd done another another uh, sort of. Uh, F house shall I say? Um, but I mean, yeah, it's it's one of the things. And in the in the little mini league, I think it wouldn't be that much of an issue 
if the other teams weren't winning. So look at, again, Millwall yesterday or the day before when Borough beat them. It's when things like that happen, um, it, it makes it feel a lot worse than it actually is. But um, like Tom said, they've scored 70-odd goals. Unbelievable side. Unbelievable side. And um, But yeah, I just think it was just gutting that we just couldn't hold on. And um, I think that's where the frustration comes in. But the bigger picture, we said on Friday or after the Millwall game, um, that the, the big games are the next three, and that hasn't changed. Mm, yeah. All right. I mean, looking at one the the most controversial moment, uh, or is it even that controversial? That the penalty awarded to to Brentford, then Tom, uh, Josh Cullen in on side Ben Rama. I mean, Ben Rama was an absolute fawn in our side, but you know we've got into that last fifteen minutes, and we're we're hanging on under relentless pressure, as we've said, but. You're thinking it. You're getting closer and closer, and then and then the penalty goes against you. If if that doesn't happen, you think maybe we've had a better chance of hanging on. But your your view on the penalty, Tom Stonewall, harsh. Which way do you see it? Yeah, I don't know about Stonewall, but I think if it was our attacker in their box, you, you'd want it given for you. So I don't think it was a Stonewall penalty, but I think probably on reflection and having seen the replay back, I can see why he's given it, and it's probably the right decision. I think, as you say, he was a thorn in our side all game. But even looking at a lot of the chances he had, you know, he was cutting in on the edge of the box and having a go from 20 yards out. And maybe that's his tactic anyway. But there wasn't many times they were getting into the box and forcing deals into saves. That's not to say it didn't happen because they did. But a lot of their shots were from distance and we were defending fairly well. So, again, it goes back to similar to what Bo said, really. To, to play a team that are that good, that relentless, scoring that many goals and to lose the game to a penalty in a corner is almost even more frustrating than if they'd, you know, put a 75 pass move together and scored. So yeah, it was, I think it was probably the right call, but it, you know, when it goes against you, obviously you're hoping that the referee will show some leniency, but Bose didn't seem to have too many complaints either. And I think probably it was the right decision. Yeah. And when it came to the winning goal, Nathan, um, just, just a simple set piece, really ones that we dealt with, pretty well over the course of, well, ever since we come back, really, from, from lockdown. But certainly during that game, we were dealing with set pieces. But we fall asleep from a short corner, and it's either Ethan Pinnock or Jason Pierce who gets the final touch. It's quite hard. To, there was one angle where it did look very much like it came off Pierce, but Pinnock was certainly claiming it. Um, a frustration when you've played that well, but I guess when, when you've put so much effort into defending and defending, you're going to get tired and you're going to fall asleep when you shouldn't do. Yeah, of course, and um, I think again for me it was just frustrating to watch because there was I can't remember who exactly what it was, was but I think there was a couple of ball watches and and like you say the frustrating thing for me was not only the Brentford game where we were soaking up so much pressure. Um, if you look at, at the Millwall game, we weren't really soaking up pressure, but we were we were handling everything that they threw at us in terms of Matt Smith. So having a performance like that really. Um, against against Millwall aerially, thought um, the last hurdle. Um, it was just disappointing. Like you said, I think once if someone's knocking on your door that much, um, it just takes one lack of concentration or a split second, which happened, and we switched off at a set piece, which means we're really good at defending. Mm, yeah, such a shame. We were so so close to at least taking away a point there. I mean, we've got to talk about the opening goal. Um, Tom, uh, the Welsh wizard, Johnny Williams, he got his first start since coming back from lockdown uh, and he was really lively for us and uh, he drove up the left-hand side before laying it off for Alfie Doughty, another man who looked very good 
uh, especially going forward in that first period. There's a pitch of a cross force to Kasky floating in at that far post and, and McCauley Bond who's needed a goal and uh, you know we're in dreamland after just eight minutes. Yeah, I, I say what I said about the game but I, I certainly didn't expect us to go ahead um, and you're right look, Johnny was a part of that move and, and I thought he actually played quite well in that first half he looked like he I'm guessing tired in that second half which would fit with what Boya said about him the other week but great work between him and Alfie down that left hand side and as you say a, a wonderful ball in and yeah I was disappointed with the amount of stick McCauley got on Friday and I know he's he's gone through a bit of a difficult spell um, and obviously when you lose to your nearest rivals people are going to be annoyed so I get where they're coming from but I think given the rise he's had to come from non-league football, I don't think any of us expected him to have the game time that he's been forced to have this year. And to come out with, I think, eight or nine goals so far is is good return for, for that player. And there were times before his injury where he looked a very, very competent championship striker. And of course, his goals have dried up a little bit. So it's so important for him to get that goal because given what's happened with Lyle, we're going to need him in the next, certainly the next three or four games. Um so yeah, I was pleased to, for him to get off the mark and again looking at the bigger picture rather than just the result on, on Tuesday night. Hopefully that will kickstart him into a little bit of form over the next few games. Excellent stuff. Well, let's have a listen then to what Lee Bayer made uh, of the performance uh, over at Brentford. Uh, he answered some questions from the press after the game and this is what he had to say. I thought it was tough, obviously, uh, against a very good Brentford side. I think they go up. I think they're... I'll be, I'll be amazed if they're not in the Premier League next season. So I was here the weekend and, and watching them against Wigan. and I've seen what they've done to, to other teams of late. And I thought we, we looked quite solid um, for a large part of the game. The subs they brought on made a, a big difference. Um, we, we ran out of legs. We, we had too many on empty. Um, in the end, and uh, we, we just couldn't hold out for that pressure point in the end. But we, we, we give it a good go, and the plan nearly worked, but unfortunately, uh, we come away with nothing. But these ain't going to be the games that are going to define whether we stay in a division or not. That's what I said to the players like, look, we give everything, and don't, don't be too disappointed. Be disappointed, but not too disappointed. So uh, we've got another big one coming up Saturday. Okay, yeah, obviously, in terms of the, the changes tonight, what were you thinking tactically with that one, Lee, in terms of the shape? Um, just a bit like, I, I thought we had to have an extra body in the middle of the park. A bit of place out, out wide with, with Alfie, bring Naby in, and I thought we, we might have a bit more possession. Um, a bit more ball because Brentford, like I said, I was there the weekend and and they have a lot of a lot of ball and they and they tie you out and they wear you down and um, so I was hoping that playing the free at the back we, we'll have a bit more possession and and we're getting our wing backs to to travel up the pitch and and, and and that worked you know for the goal so but we just couldn't just couldn't hold on but. Yeah, and, and try to cause them a problem by playing the two tens behind Mako against their one sitter. I thought like, and, and, and again, at times that worked first half, but second half we just tired. Whenever we won the ball back, we just didn't, we just didn't have no energy left to, to then try and play and, and, and move up the pitch. So um, yeah, first half worked, but 
second half we just became tired and, and it became difficult. What did you make of the penalty? Do you think it was one or? I think it's soft. I think it's soft. I've seen challenges like that and, and not being given. Um, the ref said to me that Josh got a, a touch on the ball, but it was the follow through. Well, you can't control that. You've got two people running into each other, both stretching for the ball, which they both did, and, and Josh got a touch on the ball. So, can he control what happens after he got a touch on the ball? No. So, for, for I think that the player made it look worse than what it was. Um, but yeah, some are given and some ain't on that occasions. And then unfortunately for us, um, it went against us. There we go. That was Lee Bowyer after the defeat against Brentford. Um, yeah, he's, he, he says he was proud of his players after a defeat, and he doesn't say that too often, I guess, Nathan. Um, the importance now, of course, is, is how you react from a, a game that you've you've lost but didn't really expect to get anything from anyway. So he talked about, um, you know, th- th- these aren't the games that are going to see us say up. It's, it's the next three, really, which are going to be a lot more important for us, starting, of course, with, with Reading on Saturday. Yeah, of course, and the players would know that. Um, don't get me wrong, every game they go into, they're going to want to win. <laughs> but it's never going to set his team up to lose, don't get me wrong. But um, I think just the, the late goals against Brentford probably would have um, disheartened him somewhat. <laughs> um, but exactly what you say, I think when when they, when push comes to shove, they're going to be looking at these next three now. And I think they're going to be up for these next three because if they're not, then we're not going to probably be in this division. And I think with a team like Bowes, um, he's instilled, I think we will. Um, but yeah, I think that's the main thing is we were never really going to get anything on paper and we dug so deep and it takes a lot out of players. Defending like that against players like that who are running everywhere and you're soaking up a lot of pressure, it does take it out of you. But they'll um, they'll get back into it this week and uh, focus on so that big game on Reading. And I think if, if we can get a win, you know, that's huge. I still think two wins will be enough. Um, but obviously, if we draw or lose, then pressure goes into the next game, and you don't want to be going into Wigan and lose needing six points. Yeah, I mean, Tom, we've been looking at the, the table tonight. So, I mean, just before we came on to record the pod, uh, Leeds absolutely smashed Stoke five 0 which has actually seen us um, move up a place because Stoke's goal difference has, uh, has fallen two below ours. So we're up to twentieth on forty six. Stoke are also on forty six in twenty first hole. Uh, who got beat at Bristol City on 45 in the relegation zone. Barnsley, 42, Luton, 41. Uh, Huddersfield and Middlesbrough are only a point ahead of us and Stoke. Birmingham are only three points ahead of us. And we're playing them uh, sort of next week as well. So I mean, it, the, the table is so tight down there. We, we're not taking into account Wigan's points deduction yet because there's talk of an appeal. But you have to... The assumption is they will lose 12 points, which in, case, in that case, our one-point gap goes to a four-point gap. But I mean... As Nathan said, when we go to Leeds on the final day, we need to get this job done before then, based on what we've seen all season, but certainly from what we saw this afternoon from Leeds. Yeah, and I think you're right, it's so tight, but we can only concentrate on ourselves, I think, and it's natural to be looking over your shoulders the whole time or looking up, because we're all playing at the same time and goals are going in all over the place, and pretty much every single goal that goes in involving any of those teams moves some teams around, so 
is constantly chopping and changing. Um, but we can only focus on ourselves. And lots of the teams around are playing each other. As you mentioned, we've got Birmingham and Wigan in the running. Um, and yeah, it's, it's going to be nerve-wracking, I think. And, you know, we were under no illusions when we came back that that was going to be the case. We were in the relegation zone at that point and we're out of it now. So you have to view that as progress. And I know defeats like the one to Brentford are difficult because other teams are winning, but you really have to try and not focus on that and just focus on our own performances. And as I said earlier on in answer to your first question, on the whole, we've been playing very, very well since we come back. Millwall, even the Millwall game, you know, parts of that we looked okay. And parts of the Brentford game against a very good side. So, yeah, it's going to be nervy. It's going to be tense. There's going to be lots of changing. I think you're right. We have to ignore the Mill, the um, within 12 points. If that does get deducted from them, then I don't mean this in a nast- nasty way to Wigan, but it is a bonus if they do. Um, but if they don't, you know, at the moment and the way they're going, that might not make any difference anyway. So it's going to be very tight. But I agree with Nate. I think two wins will do it. And I think based on how we played, we should have enough out of the next three games to get those two wins. Um, it's just about whether we can handle that pressure and, and get through those games. But um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be a lot of fun, I don't think, watching Charlton over the next few weeks. No, certainly not. I mean, Tom's saying we've we, we've got to not pay too much attention to what the other teams are doing, but it is interesting to look at their fixtures. So Friday, so today, probably for most of you, when you're listening to the game, Huddersfield versus Luton up at, up at Huddersfield. So that's a bit of a six-pointer down there with, with Huddersfield just a point ahead of us, Luton obviously uh, below us. Um, you've got us against Reading, of course. Um, you've got Hull versus Millwall. Millwall haven't done us any favours at all, other than yes, they beat us. That's the, that's so far their only win since coming back, uh, which has been a, a real hassle for us. Um, Middlesbrough are at home to Bristol City. Barnsley play Wigan on Saturday, uh, and then on Sunday Stoke play Birmingham. So all those teams down there facing off against each other. It's going to be so tight at the wrong end of the championship. Right, let's have a listen, uh, a look at some of the messages uh, that came in uh, over the, the course of the week. So uh, Dom uh, said, uh, an analysis of what went wrong against Brentford. It was clear that things had gone badly wrong in the game before the first whistle even blew. The combination of this year's away top with the horrible home kit shorts uh, was just a disaster. Uh, the green and purple stripes on the away top uh, clashed horribly with the red streaks in the shorts. It was difficult enough to watch, let alone play. And the shambles of mixing and matching different kits was compounded further by using what I can only think were last year's away socks. Yeah, it was it was a bit all over the place, but Brentford had very similar uh, kit to us. So clearly, um, after half-time, all of this must have disorientated our players uh, enough to confuse them which league season we were playing in. The end result after that was inevitable. Uh, serious matters aside, though, uh, it was a hard and battling performance all round. It's good that Bond got his first since the restart, so I hope he starts with a Nikkei uh, against Reading. I'm not sure what your thoughts. Nave, would you, would you, is that a front two you'd like to see a Nikkei uh, with Bond? I mean, Hemed was rested um, on, on Tuesday. Green's got a little bit of a knock. I mean, what, what, how would you like to see the, the front two set up on Saturday? Um... Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> watching some of our forward play sometimes reminds me of horse. But um, <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I was with Mako. I think um, I said on the the Millwall one that I just don't think he's you know he's up there yet. He's ready enough. Um, but I mean, like Tom said, he had that little purple patch and he's come back and he he obviously played well and against Brentford and he deserves, He definitely needs to start. Um, gives him a new lease of life in terms of who I mean for me Hamid I know what he's trying to do but he had a couple of things against Millwall but uh, I mean yeah I'd have to go with Anika I mean I mean, I, I agree and I don't 
he hasn't done enough for me to play up front, even if he is fit. Um, I still see him as a natural wide player. So it's a toss-up between Ahmed and uh, Chucks. And if anything, Chucks has impressed me out of the games you've seen. You know, Chucks has done more for me to get that other starting berth. But I, for me, I don't, I don't see why we have to play with two. I think you could have you could have Johnny in the hole, or you could have Aussie in the hole, and it will just give us a little bit more on the ball. I think if you have the likes of Chucks and Tom, I think it makes it easier to go a lot more direct. Um, the Millwall game we started on the floor and then we went direct um, and it just didn't really work so I mean if we if we try and get someone in in that sort of central area to pick up the loose balls and maybe drop that little bit deeper um, that's what I would prefer but if you have to go through the two then I'd have to pick Chucks with Macaulay there we go. Right, uh, Tom Vandersteen uh, says, agree with Tom's post-match tweet. This isn't your alter ego, is it, Tom, by any chance? But uh, we cannot forget who we were playing last night. Uh, I think there are more positives to take from the game than negatives, which if we can stay up and stabilise the ownership, there is a lot to build on. Happy for Bond to get a goal last night. His body language changed completely after that goal. Again, a bit of a reflection. He was non-league last season, and this season he has scored a decent amount of goals in the championship and against promotion-chasing teams like Leeds, West Brom, Brentford, Fulham and Derby. Last point, good to be back on Valley Pass after watching their last game on Sky Sports. I much prefer the tones of Terry and Greg, top commentary and analysis from the lads as always. Yeah, it's always a, a good job with, with Terry and Greg and you can watch the game on Saturday on, on Valley Pass, uh, of course. Yeah, we'll talk a bit more about Bond later because we've got a clip uh, from Lee Bowyer as well talked about uh, McCauley. But it's in, yeah, it's interesting what, what Tom says there about how his body language changed. I think I saw that too as well. You know, he's a... He's a striker, therefore he's a confident player. He's a confidence player, and when he's not scoring goals, then it must take 10% out of your game for you automatically. Um, right, uh, next one comes in. My thoughts on the Brentford game. Not a bad first half, but we never really got out of our half against them in the second, and at 1-1, we didn't have an out ball. Uh, we go again on Saturday. That's from Tom Mannering. Yeah, I mean, Tom, we, I, I said it on... Uh, Tuesday as well when we're at the game when we're doing the game on on Radio London I said as soon as as soon as Johnny went off for, for Lapsley I said all right that's that's going to have some energy in midfield but you've lost the out ball and you know I, I don't think we saw the ball up the other end until you know for almost the entirety of the second half until we went down and we tried to push for a leveler yeah and I saw a few people saying that on Twitter during the game as well I think you you've got to look at it two ways one Brentford are naturally going to push us backwards anyway because of the quality that they've got and because they're behind at home and the run that they're on. Um, but I don't think necessarily we help that. And it's a very brave tactic to keep somebody up there and to continue to push. But I felt that that substitution invited that pressure. And as you say, if you are still sitting back, you want them to be able to get the ball forward quickly. And I felt that we lost that. As I said earlier, I think Johnny was probably getting tired anyway. But if we could have brought somebody else on who could have stretched the game a little bit more up the other end, I think that would have just kept them on their toes a little bit. But as it was, we were sat so far back that we just invited pressure on. And as I say, it's natural. And obviously, you're trying to protect what you've got there. Um, so I don't necessarily blame Boya for it. But it was just a little bit frustrating watching it from the comfort of your own house when you're looking and you're thinking, well, it, you know, what I want you to do is to try and be a little bit more counter-attacking. But... Um, you know, if we'd have gone into that game, I mean, I would have expected us, as Nave said a little bit earlier, to, to lose by a lot more than that. So I'm trying not to, to criticise too much, but 
I, I understand the point that they make that perhaps we could have been slightly more attacking still mm. in that final sort of 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm just looking at the bench. I mean, McGeady was the only other option really that you could possibly have brought on to take the ball up the other end and try and take a little bit of pressure off the off the back line. But, you know, you, you bring on McGeady and we go on to lose 2-1. Everyone will say, well, why didn't you sit back and try and soak it up a bit? That's just the way uh, it goes. Right, Luke says that uh, we started well at Brentford, all things considered, but we made the defensive subs too early, taking off Johnny and Jake who win fouls and keep the ball under pressure meant we were pinned in our box from the second they were subbed off. I thought uh, I found Morgan a strange sub uh, when we were trying to protect a lead. Uh, Mina says we found Brentford's weakness early doors on the left. They uh, did not overload and exploit this uh, in the first half. Brentford found our weakness on the right in the second half and they overloaded and exploited it. How many points shed this season in the last 15 minutes? How many? Yeah, I imagine there's quite a few in the last 10, 15 minutes of games. Uh, right, uh, Richio's tip says we'd like to see Josh Davison get a few minutes in. Phil, he will cause a few problems for their defenders. What do you, what do you reckon, Nate? If we ain't seen much of Josh Davison, we ain't seen any of Josh Davison since since coming back from lockdown. He's he's been on the bench a few times. Do you, I mean, do you think he's a he's an option if if, if we need a last minute goal? I mean, you can think of someone worse to chuck on there and be a bit of a nuisance if we're going to start sending it along. Yeah, possibly, but then I think if we're if we're going down that road, then you, if you've if you've not got Tomer or Chucks, then you can. Um, for me, um, again, he's obviously not a championship striker at the moment. Obviously, that's no disrespect to him, but he's not. Um, he's obviously still learning. Um, for me, the tw- two times I've seen him, Swansea. Um, was tough. It was a tough gig for him. Uh, it wasn't really holding it. It wasn't sticking. The ball was bouncing off him. But then, in fairness, still allowed the game in the FA Cup against West Brom. He actually gave them a torrid time. He actually played really, really well. Um, I mean, yeah, it could be an option. But I think if you if you've got Josh Davidson and and or, you know, Tom Hemed or Chucks, and he goes on first, then if you're Tom or Chucks, you've got to sit there and think, well. What am I doing wrong here? Because you, you should be, Tom, especially if you're chasing a game and you want to go it long. I know he hasn't done it yet, but for me, you're going to have to go with someone a bit more experienced. But who knows? You know, you know, he might do it on Saturday and then he'll come on and get a winner. Who knows? But um, I think you still got to look to your more experienced players first before, especially you got to remember it's a it's a relegation scrap. You know, it's, we're not middle of the table when we can afford to do it. We actually need to be pushing and. With the players that ain't getting in the squads at the moment with the Aussies and stuff, I think you've got to use that at your disposal first for me. Yeah, excellent stuff. Right, Derek uh, says a great battling display uh, that deserved more against Brentford. The Warriors, how much it took out of them for the next three crucial games. Tom Nash says, I thought the subs were too early. Didn't agree with Morgan coming off. Uh, defended well, though, against a very good side. Lewis says, I thought the first half was great at Brentford, took the game to them and worried them at times. However, we just thought 1-0 was enough. Would like us to start the next game with the same lineup. Uh, thought we had more of a threat uh, to us and will cause teams lower down issues. Uh, Derek says we did pretty well against Brentford. The problem was losing the small amount of ball retention we did have. It dropped when Johnny Williams was substituted again and again uh, when Jake Forster Kasky was. Both should start against Reading. I think we forgot uh, what a key player Jake Forster Kasky was for us uh, before his injuries. I asked them um, what people would like to see changed for Saturday against Reading. Emma just says uh, we don't play George Lapsley. Uh, Sean says maybe we can score. Uh, more than one goal. Right, let's have a quick break here on Charlton Live. When we come back, we'll start to look ahead a bit more to the Reading game, uh, hear a bit more from the Addicts boss, Lee Bayer, as well. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierces there. Bowers with a header. And it's done. Yes! 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 Oh, it's gone. Oh, Patrick Barr. You absolute German beauty. Woo! Dream lads. Charlotte has scored. With seconds remaining. We've done it all. Gets in. Come on. What a time to be here at Wembley. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Charlton Live. Right, so welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. Looking ahead now to Saturday's home game with Reading at the Valley. Another big game. Reading are probably safe now. They're on 53 points. Um, so what are they? They're uh, seven points ahead of us. So yeah, I'd say they're, they're, they're pretty much done. In fact, they might even be mathematically done if uh, if, if Wigan's points deduction has, has, has gone in already. Uh, well, not quite, but my maths isn't great. No, it's because they're only 11 points ahead of Barnsley. So not quite, but um, they're pretty much safe. Um, but it will be a tough game. Um, and the games are coming thick and fast at the moment, aren't they? So it's interesting. I mean, you've, we've seen it a few times now, Bowyer rotating his squad. So he made seven changes for the game at Cardiff before bringing those seven uh, back in. Then he made five changes for the game, of course, against Brentford. And we don't know how he's going to how he's gonna change things again for Saturday with... Reading at the Valley, but I'd imagine there'll be more than, than one or two changes. It'll mix things up again. Um, and that's the way it is at the moment because of this uh, almost relentless uh, sort of uh, fixture list that the lads have to deal with. So, I mean, Lee Boyer had his press his press day today over Zoom. And he was asked he was asked about what, what he finds the most difficult about this, uh, this congested fixture list. Recovery. Recovery and, and try and put out the strongest possible team that I can without putting them in danger of getting injured so then we've got numbers going into these last few games because if we lose three or four or five then that could affect our bench that would, which is going to be important as well so, um, so yeah that's that's the thing the recovery making sure we're getting recovery that's why I've been making so many changes because if I don't then with our players uh, injury record they're going to get injured um, so I have to do it this way. Would I rather play the same team game in, game out, and for winning games? Of course I would. But if I do that, then I've got a chance of losing players through injury. So, and that's what I don't want. Yeah, can you just give us a bit of an insight into that recovery? Like, how does it work then? Um, you're not able to do as much work on the training pitch as maybe you would like because you're having to wrap them all in cotton wool. 
yeah, well, 48 hours between games is, is not long at all. So, obviously, Tuesday, Saturday, you get a little bit longer. Wednesday, they recover. Today, the, the starting 11 recovered again, like a uh, 48 hour day recovery session. So, they just do some jogging and some warm down stuff. But the, the lads that was on the bench and, and the lads that missed out on the squad, then we had a training group of uh, 13 players that would train normally. So then because we rotated so many players during a the week, then you're getting them players ready for Saturday. So um, that's the way we've been working it and it's been doing well. Yeah, After the injuries you had earlier in the season, you made some few changes to the medical department, didn't you? Bought, bought some, some experience in. Um, can you just talk a bit about as, have things improved? How have they improved? And are you hopefully seeing benefits of that now? Have things got better than they were? Well, it's improved because we have everybody fit. So, um, to have 15, double figure, 15 injuries for months, something was wrong somewhere. So, I think bringing in, in Danny Murphy has been a good move with his experience. And, um, yeah, he seems to be working wonders with the players. They're happy with him. Um, but most importantly, he's putting players out on the pitch, making sure they're ready for, for game time. And um, that's all I want from him. So, yeah, I think it's been a positive introduction into our, our group that's already good. Yeah. Again, can you share us a little bit of insight into your working relationship with Danny and how, how things work with him? He will just say to me, look, Lee, as simple as this, if you train this player hard today, he might break down. If you train that player hard today, he might break down. If you play him more than 60 minutes on Saturday, there's a good chance he's going to break down. So he's looked at all their records and, and like in the past. And then so he, he's judging it and, and he's working out, right, this player, like he'll play, you can play him 70 minutes this day, but then he now needs to recover for two or three days and then he can now train. You know, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Then it's down to me whether I take that advice. Um, he he will never tell me something, and, and then I, that will change my opinion whether someone starts or not. But then that will be a gamble that I'll, I will have to take. And um, but at the moment, that's not had to be the case. And his advice has, has been good. So I, I try to listen to him as, as much as I possibly can, but knowing that the players still have to train. Because if they don't train, then they won't be up to speed on match day. Yeah, I suppose it's quite an obvious thing to say, but if you do keep players fit, then that's probably going to have a big factor in, in whether you do stay up or not. Yeah, and, and that's why he's important and that's why he's done well since he's come in. So um, there's many players that, that you can choose from and that's the, the luxury I have at the moment. The, the easier the job for me because then you can play the way you want to play and use certain bodies in, in certain ways. So... Uh, it's going well at the moment. Yeah, interesting there from Lee Bayer, um, Tom, talking about how, you know, he, he has to be able to manage his squad. And, and we know we've had all these injury problems earlier on in the season, um, which has seen Bayer made a, make a change and bring in Danny Murphy, the physio, not Danny Murphy, the film goer slash former footballer. Uh, he used to play for us. To I, I mean, it, it's hard to say it's had an effect on the squad because also they've had three months to, for everyone to get fit. But... I mean, certainly Bowyer's had to juggle what he's got very carefully. And that might be the case, you know, that's why people are slightly upset that Johnny Williams went off a bit early 
on Tuesday, for example. Um, but it, it shows it's such a fine line he has to tread to make sure he doesn't put too many minutes into a player who could there all of a sudden get a muscle strain and be out for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think he's, as you said there, had his fingers burned once this season already with the amount of injuries we got earlier on. So he's had that experience and obviously not enjoyed it, as, as nobody would. Um, so he knows better than anybody how dangerous it can be. But I think so far he's handled it well. Um, and I think actually we're, we kind of work better when we're playing relentlessly. I remember in that run-up when we when we stayed up under uh, Jose Riga and we had games, two games a week every week because of the issues with the pitch and stuff over the winter. I know this is a completely different squad, but you think back then and actually we weren't training much. We were just playing games and resting and that kind of momentum carried us through. And I think we already talked about the fact that when Boya first came in and he had that sort of mini-season at the end of his first year, how well he did... Um, and I almost think if he can condense that feeling again, then he's, he knows how to manage a squad. And I think, um, you know, it, there's no one we would want more to be able to take us through the next few games. But you're right, we, we've had our fingers burnt already with the amount of injuries we've had. So he has to be very careful. And as you say, he then has to make decisions that are for the good of the side or for the good of individual players that, that people aren't going to agree with, unfortunately. But, you know, that's what he's paid to do. And you'd have to say so far on the balance of the... Well, we had five or six games we've had. I think he's done it pretty well so far. Yeah, I mean, with that in mind, Nathan, I mentioned those seven changes we we made before we went to Cardiff. Um, I guess I guess that there has to be a little bit from both these sort of... He has to target certain games. So he probably made those changes against Cardiff thinking, you know, this isn't a game we're expected to go out and get three points in. You know, we could go and get a very useful point, which we did. But he's much more likely to save his, his key men because uh, I think, like for example, Maka didn't start that game um, for 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 the home games against against Reading, for example. I mean, he even said that Tom Ahmed was rested on on Tuesday for Reading, so uh, for uh, yeah for Reading on Saturday. So it, it shows he's got to be very careful about which games he targets as well. No, of course it is, and I think to be fair, if you look at if you look at the squad, I think apart from yeah, we know we're one up, we're one, one short up front. I think midfield's fine, centre half. So for me, my biggest I think the biggest headache I would have, probably for Bowie as well, is the flanks. Really, is for me you've got you've got Ben, you've got Ben Poehn, who don't get me wrong, he's good, you know, seven, six, seven, eight out of ten defensively going forward. Not that particularly that good, even though he did score in the um, player final, which he hasn't really done. Really, he hasn't really done that since until to the back end of last year. Alfie Dowie, we know how good he is. But again, the other way, defensively, he's improving. But, you know, you, if you had, again, we've said it so many times, if you had a hybrid of Lewis Page and Poehn, you'd have a great, great left-back. And now you've got Matthews. Matthew, it's going to be hard for Matthews to play every game. But we haven't got nowhere else there, so you're going to have to put George out there. Or you've got to put Deji there. Again, Deji's not a natural fullback. Even though he does get forward, he's not a natural fullback or he's not a natural wingback. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, that is, is targeting the games for me is where he's going to slot in Matthews. Um, and if you're going to be using Toma, you're going to need someone who needs delivery, who's got good delivery. So, if you're going to be playing Toma, 
you're going to need Matthews and Doughty playing because they're the ones who are going to get the crosses in the box. Um, so I think that's probably going to be harder for Bozes in terms of the the wing back fullback position for me. Mm, yeah. Now, of course, with with, with the uh, the big break we had of uh, before coming back into this. Uh, this little mini season, if you will. Um, it was a good question in press day today from Terry, actually asking about whether that that could have been part of the uh, the the thing that affected the sharpness of the likes of McCauley Bond and the other strikers who who up until before Tuesday hadn't scored. Um, so yeah, this was a good question from Terry, just asking if if Lee, if uh, if Lee Bowyer thought that that could be a reason why it might have taken uh, our strikers a little while to get back into their stride. Yeah, listen, I don't think McCauley has done much wrong. Um, he's worked hard, like he does in every game. Match sharpness, you can say a lot of them are, are not match sharp. Um, but he did do well the other night. He worked really hard for the team. He got his reward with a goal. Um, and, and he's had chances in other games. I think if there's anything that Mac, I wouldn't put it down to match sharpness. I think it's just his confidence just wasn't there. Um, he's had a few chances since uh, since we've got back playing. He had a couple against Hull, um, and, and obviously uh, against Millwall the other night. He, he had a, a couple there as well. So he's had chances, but most important thing is that he keeps getting in their positions, and then he will take one. And um, the other night he he done that, and uh, so yeah, he done he done really well. There you go. I mean, you listen listen to Bo there, Tom, and he, he seems like he, he didn't think that McCauley had done too much wrong. Do you, do you think we were maybe getting on his back a little bit? I mean, he, he missed that one-on-one against Millwall. Obviously, he missed a couple of good chances up at Hull. Um, so, you know, but other than that, I mean, Lee was clearly been reasonably happy with his hold-up play, his, his energy for the team, trying to work hard for his teammates. So do, do you think we were sort of falling into that little trap that we do sometimes as fans of if a striker hasn't scored, he's not therefore firing on all cylinders. Uh, I think that some of the reaction to Bond's performances has been very, very harsh. Um, as you just said there, strikers are judged on goals. And obviously until Tuesday night, he hadn't scored a goal since coming back. But I remember after the whole game, I think it was the first one back, obviously the goal came from a defender, but we were looking at that game and we were saying, do you know what, Hemed and Bond look really lively and they're working really hard and they're holding the ball up and they're bringing other people into play. And there was actually a lot that they were doing that was really, really decent. And you thought that they maybe would kick on and score a couple of goals from there. And I know that hasn't happened. So I'm totally accepting the people that say he gets his reputation if you like from scoring goals and he's not scored enough but I think it's it's been harsh because as you say it, it does take a little while to find your feet again and I think actually he's come back and he, his performance all round again if we're not looking too outcome focused his performances have been very good um, but you're going to be judged on goals in the same way the performance against Brentford was okay but we lost Macaulay Bond is going to be judged if he scores and you know, when you miss a one-on-one in, in that uh, a game as big as Millwall, you think back to the Tuka Diam one all that time ago. You know, I don't think actually he was that bad a striker. Um, but you do something like that, and and you're going to get the pillars. Um, and I think that's what's happened to him. But got his goal on on Tuesday night, looked lively, um, and as you said, confidence and body language certainly changed. And if he can kick on now. I think the criticism of him will be a distant memory. Yeah, you miss a, you miss one one on one against Millwall and you get labelled a prat, and that's the game. Um, <laughs> looking ahead, then Nathan to Reading, um, would you reckon they're they're a side? Like I say, I think they're safe. They're on fifty three points. They 
only need a point more to be mathematically safe. Uh, well, two more points to be mathematically safe. Uh, well, hopefully we won't get those on Saturday. Um, uh, uh, even with Wigan's, uh, if Wigan do get the point deduction, um, you know, they've kept two clean sheets in the last two. Uh, 0-0 at Reading on Tuesday, but they they, they went and beat Luton 5-0, which was uh, re- a, a result that really sort of caught the eye with uh, Mighty scoring, scoring four of them and Puskas getting the other one. Um, just hitting hitting a little bit of form in time just for when they play us, really. I mean, it's a team we beat earlier on in the season. Wasn't that impressed by them that day. Um, I, I remember, You'll remember we had Jonathan Lowe on from uh, the Get Berkshire website before that game, and he was uh, singing their praise. He said Reading had a real good chance of the... of, of You know, they looked like they were going to be a playoff-chasing team early doors. Obviously, it hasn't worked out like that. Um, how, how do you see them going into Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it's weird because they're sort of like a Jekyll and Hyde, really, um, sort of team. I mean, they've got some good players. I mean, there's a player, well, I say now I've done this against Millwall, didn't I? So I might actually not say the player I actually like this time. <laughs> Go on, say him anyway. Let's see, let's see yeah, if you've got the mind of there's, there's a guy in the middle of the park called John Swift. I'm yeah. not telling you what, he's absolutely unreal. How he's not made, he's not. He's always stayed in the championship, I'll never know. Mm. But he was on loan from Chelsea, wasn't he? He scored, he scored for Brentford when yeah. he was on loan from Chelsea, but yeah, he's he's uh, he got, got went to uh, Reading on a free. Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, uh, yeah, you said they, they won 5-0 and that mate, they scored 5, which caught the eye. But my word, some of that defending call made me cry, to be fair. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it was absolutely woeful. Um but um, yeah, no, they've again, you know, two clean sheets. It's, it's, it would have been nice to actually see the game. See, obviously, Mark Bowen in there, obviously from nineteen ninety eight. But um, yeah, it's, it, 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 hopefully they're on the beach or halfway on the beach if they can get a flight out. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, if we can get a win against Reading, that'd be amazing because Birmingham and one after that, they're in free fall at the moment. And um, if we can, if we can get three points on Saturday, that'd be so so big. If we win a Saturday, I'd start. Maybe like fifty five percent thinking we'll stay up because I'm still like fifty fifty at the moment. Still go up another five, but it'll be tough. It'll be tough courses. But again, like Tom said earlier, we need to concentrate on ourselves and make sure that we play well um, and focus on our strengths yeah. um, and let them worry about us. Yeah, I mean, how how much pressure are we going to put on ourselves for this game, Tom? Because we know that our final game is against Leeds. We know our penultimate game is against the Wigan side, who appear to be the the, the next Leeds, but they just started off in the in the wrong half of the table, and, and obviously a, a battling against all sorts going on off the pitch. Um, so realistically, I mean, we, we'll we'll go to a Birmingham team next week who are shipping three goals every game at home at the moment. So, but I mean, realistically, we have to target these next two games to if we can get the six points and just get it over and done with that could be huge for us. So does, does that add the extra pressure with the players knowing what comes after these two games? I think so. Yeah, unfortunately. I wish it didn't um, because we've seen how this team can handle some of that, that pressure. But having said that, you know, we, we pull out big performances at certain times as well. And I think, again, going back to the, the Brentford game on Tuesday, you know, it's against the top six side and we, we pushed them other times again and our, our record against them is very, very good. Um, obviously the, the teams the next three aren't that and they're teams that you perhaps expect to get a little bit more from and that's where we have struggled at times this season you think of defeats some of those teams already so it, it is going to add extra pressure naturally and the closer you get to the end of the season whilst you can still get relegated you're going to get more pressure and 
you know, I said earlier, we've got to concentrate on ourselves. Boya will be saying to the players, don't worry about anyone else. Don't look at the newspapers, you know, don't check the table. But it's natural. You know, people are going to want to know where they are and where they stand. And you haven't got fans in the ground who are cheering goals from other stadiums, which starts to happen at this point in the season. But they're still going to be able to find out results from other places. And, and it is going to put pressure on them. But I said it earlier, you know, I think Boya is the man to, to drive us forward. I think he'll be able to to handle that pressure himself and hopefully take it away from the players and onto himself and the players have definitely got the quality to get out of it they've shown that already and like you said if we can just get the next two wins and get it out of the way that would, that would be perfect mm, yeah I'm sure it will never be quite as uh, cut and dry and as easy as, we, as we've made it sound there though um, I mean in, in terms of lineup, one of the tweets earlier said they'd like to see us uh, set up the same way as we did at Brentford I mean obviously that that had uh, it was an unusual formation actually we had the the three along the back. And then we had sort of a, I mean, Steve Brown on, on Radio London described it as a box midfield, four players almost in the, in the shape of a square in the midfield, along with the wing backs on either side that made it difficult for Brentford to play. But you'd imagine we wouldn't, I mean, would we go three at the back, Nath? Um, and then try and hit Reading on the counter? I mean, that, that that's not something we see too often at home. It's something we have played before at home. But I mean, how, how do you think we try and set up for this game? Yeah, I think that, I think if Alfie and, um, if Alfie and if Alfie and uh, Adam Matthews are going to be given a lot more license, if they do start, if Thomas starting, they're going to want to spend a lot of the time further up the pitch. Um, which again, that won't really. If you're going to do that, to have two just sitting there, if they're going to have a free rain more or less, just to have a two cent two cent halves in there against a bit of a unit that's that's meaty or mighty or whatever you want to call him. Um, yeah, I think it'll be risky. So I'd go for a, go for a free. Uh, you could do the box, which is your yeah, your five two two. Um, but yeah, I mean it's difficult because I mean personally, I wouldn't start Tomer. I'd rather have uh, Macker up there and maybe let's be daring. Where I may have Johnny Anozzi in there, maybe I don't know. But um, but yeah, I think it would surprise me if he'll just keep the same more or less. The free you're gonna have Cullen that'll probably start. Um, <clears throat> Interesting if Albie will get a game, but I mean you've got you've got competition in there. But hopefully we don't start with no disrespect, you know, with Jake Sandfield and Josh Cullen. I think that's too defensive. I think it's way too defensive. Um, I think we really need to have a go. You don't want to be looking back coming into the Leeds game. Oh, if only we had a little bit more, had a bit, had a bit more of a go against Reading. Yeah, that's, well, that's my anyway. Yeah, well, it's, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, Thomas, for anyone who stands up, do you think Johnny Williams will be fit enough to go? So he played fifty six minutes against. Brentford on Tuesday and then came off. I mean, you'd like to think if, if the reason he did come off so early, other than the fact it was his first start since coming back from lockdown, is the fact that hopefully he's been safe for, for Reading on Saturday. That was certainly my thinking. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Nate. If we can't have such a defensive midfield as we had the other week, I think we need to take it to Reading um, and try and play on the front foot. And someone like Johnny Williams is going to allow you to do that. I quite like the idea Nate spoke about earlier of maybe two people just behind a, a single striker um, because then there's lots of creativity so long as one of them's getting up uh, alongside him in attacking moves. Um, but yeah, I think you look at, at Pratt, probably Prattley and maybe Cullen, maybe two of them um, with Field then coming on if we're a goal or two ahead to help protect things up. Um, and then, yeah, you're looking at some flair players in front of him. I think, again, it's it's going to be that choice if we are going two up front of Anike or Hemed to partner Bon. Um, I know Nate said he'd prefer Anike. I think I'd quite like Hemed to start. I think Anike looks 
better off the bench. I know he played well when he came off the bench away at Reading as well. Um, so we've got options. Obviously, the, the key thing for Bowie will be assessing the fitness of the players more than anything because we obviously spoke about that a little bit earlier as well. But now that we've got a fully fit squad, you look down that list of players and you think, actually, there is quite a lot of decent rotation that we can put in there um, and different options for different formations. But it's just about seeing who's actually fit and, and raring to go. And Johnny's one of those players that hopefully will be, but... If he's not, I think McGeady has looked good in patches as well. Um, and we haven't seen Aussie at all yet. So so we've got options in that number 10 role as well. Excellent stuff. Right, well, plenty of ways that Lee Bayer could decide to play it against Reading uh, on Saturday. Uh, it be fascinating to see which way that game goes. Right, just before we uh, finish the show, I mean, we, we probably ought to touch on the takeover. We haven't really talked about it much for a couple of weeks. We've seen the uh, the owners uh, at the ground, uh, Chris Farnell, um Paul Elliott and um, Mohamed El Kakashi have been at the at the last few games uh, at the Valley. Um, there, was, there was some excitement. I missed all this today because I, I was working, but there was some sort of excitement where someone apparently reported it was nearly done on the forum, uh, which got a couple of people out there checking. Like obviously Richard Corley and Rick Everett checked, and and, and uh, I mean Richard was saying that. Uh, talk, talk that it was a done deal or, or, or virtually a done deal was wider than Mark, but there are some interesting days ahead. The EFL have to make a decision uh, publicly whether Paul Elliott's consortium are able to pass their various tests. And I'd say that next week could be very, very significant in that respect. Uh, at the moment, Roland Duchatelet's stance is that he has a deal in place with ESI, so he doesn't need to come to the negotiating table. But if Paul Elliott's group do not get EFL approval, then I'd imagine that Duchatelet would sit down with Barkley and with Varney. So, yes and no, there feels like there's been some movement. Richard seems confident, Tom, that the EFL might, may, may come to some sort of decision next week. I mean, we need to get this, this whole thing moving, really, because we don't know how long of a summer break we're going to have. We want to be in a position where we can sign players and get players on contracts again. So, we, we'd, like, we'd like to see things progressing sooner rather than later. That's the problem, isn't it? Because you're resting with the EFL and, you know, I don't think they're in any hurry to do anything um, and obviously now got their hands full again w- with the Wigan issue. Um, but you're right. Uh, I think, look, we've said it plenty of times that through this break and for the past however many years, we're not fussed who owns the club so long as they do a decent job of it. And it's the Paul Elliott issue is still up in the air. You know, is he, as his statement said, here for the long term and here to build something or is he here to pass it on to somebody else? And I'm not surprised, as Rich says, that Roland's in no rush to get back around the table because he feels like he's made a decision and he's happy to just leave it at that. So, unfortunately for us fans, you know, we're at the back of the uh, the EFL and we have to wait for their decisions um, and just try and concentrate on stuff on the pitch. But, you know, it's only natural as fans that we're still getting our hopes up about these takeovers because pretty much ever since Roland came in and his intentions for the club became clear, we've kind of been clinging on to anything else. And it remains to be seen. You know, I have my doubts about Paul Elliott, but they're not really backed by anything other than just a hunch and the fact that, you know, we've been in trouble before. He might turn out to be to be someone who's who's going to do a decent job here, but... You know, if he's not, and if he's looking to move it on, it's a case of trying to get that done as quickly as possible, as you say, so that we can just try and move on. Because whichever league we're in next season, we can't be dealing with all this off-the-field issues once again. Because people like Boya eventually are going to get fed up of it and say, well, do you know what, I'm going to go and find myself a club that's running in a more stable manner. So, 
yeah, just the sooner the better, as I'm sure everybody would agree. Yeah, excellent stuff. I was going to ask Nathan about it, but I know he finds talking about the takeover very boring, so I won't bring... <laughs> <laughs> I won't bring Nathan on that. Um, I, I will bring you in, Nathan, though. To let, let's have a look then. Prediction for the Reading game. Um, what, what do you reckon? Three-one. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon we're going to smash them. I reckon it'll be. I reckon it'll be one one all. Uh, like sixty minutes to go, and then I think we'll get one, and then they'll chase, and then we'll get a late, late three-one win. Nice. I like it. Sounds good. And Tom, uh, what's your prediction for the game against Reading? I'll take a 2 0. Nice. Who's the scorers? Uh, Don and Jason Pierce. Lovely. Oh. Well, what a great way to end the show. Um, that's it for this week's uh, big match preview. Thanks to all of you uh, who've listened and to those of you who've uh, tweeted and emailed in as well. Thanks to Tom and Nathan for joining us. Cheers, boys. uh, We'll be back here on Sunday at some point to look back at the game against Reading. Hopefully it'll be three points and look ahead to the the next one against Birmingham because they are coming so thick and fast. But anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, I've been Louis Mendes. We look forward to speaking to you again on Sunday. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.